לקוטי סיכוס חלק י"ח, פרשס מטוס סיכה בייס. This week's Torah portion teaches us the laws of Hagolas Kalim, the scalding of vessels, specifically of the vessels of the Midianites, which were retrieved by the nation of Israel with the other spoils of the war that they had just fought. Nachmanides Ramban asks why these laws were not taught after an earlier battle, that with Sichain and Oeg. Then two spoils of war were taken, and surely they included vessels. The Ramban then explains this saying, that the lands upon which Sichain and Oeg resided were a portion of the land that belonged to Bnei Yisrael, and this made all spoils permitted to them, even, the Talmud tells us, Kotle de Chazazire, cuts of pig meat found in the homes were permitted to them. But the Midianite land did not belong to them, and they did not go to war with Midian for land, but rather because God sent the nation to exact revenge for the Midianites' actions. And so their spoils were of a different caliber and were not organically permitted and required the process of kashering. Commentaries in the Talmud challenge this explanation and ask the following. In this Torah portion, the laws discussed are not only the laws of scalding the vessels of non-Jews to make them proper for usage, but also discussed are the laws of immersing vessels of non-Jews. As Rashi indeed mentions in his commentary, and as Ramban himself elaborates at length. And so why weren't the laws of immersing vessels mentioned earlier when they went to battle against Sichain and Oik? The same answer would not suffice in this case, as the reason for immersion of vessels isn't about the prohibited food that adheres to the vessels, but because vessels crafted by a non-Jew require immersion even before any cooking is done, as we learn in the Talmud Yerushalmi, just as they leave the impure domain of a non-Jew and enter into the holy possession of a Jew. And though Nachmanides precipitates this, saying, I'm considering, says Maimonides, I am reconsidering that this immersion of all vessels obtained from non-Jews after cleansing them from the absorption of forbidden foods that were prepared in them through the process of scouring in hot water or flame is a law of the rabbis who quote the verse here as support for their rabbinic ordinance. This would still not be understood, for the Rambam concludes this thought with the words, This requires further study, as perhaps there is a need from the Torah for immersion. And as well, even if the verse is only used to support a rabbinical teaching, one could further query why the Torah places this verse in relating the war with Midian and not earlier when speaking of the spoils of the war with Sichain and Oig. And finally, either way, why doesn't the Ramban highlight and address this detail at all? 
Perhaps we could answer these questions by suggesting that in fact not all the mitzvahs were given immediately following Matan Torah. Indeed, there were several mitzvahs revealed only later on, like the instructions around the land settlement in Eretz Yisrael, revealed only 40 years later through the five daughters of Tzlavchad, and there were others too. In which case, there is no room for the question, why wasn't the nation instructed earlier during the War of Sichon and Aig regarding immersion of vessels, because only during the war with Midian were there lo- these laws where these laws were first taught because they became necessary. Which explains that Amban's question, these laws were needed earlier. In fact, in Parsha's Sav, we learn, Earthenware vessels that the Kohanim used to eat or prepare the sin offerings shall be broken after use, and copper vessels used for preparing food shall be the, or the sacrifice shall be purged and rinsed with water. And Rashi explains this verse saying, the vessel should be broken because the food prepared in it remains absorbed in the walls of the vessel. All remaining parts of the sacrifice needed to have been burned by the time consumption of the sacrifice would have to be completed. So the remaining vessels that contain absorbed food must be broken. As for the copper vessels, they're to be purged and rinsed. So clearly the concept of prohibited food absorbed in a vessel had been addressed earlier. And therefore the Ramban questions why it was only after the war with Midian that these laws were discussed and not earlier during the war of Sichon and Eig, when vessels were brought in, which were spoils of war and had the requirement of scouring. A difficulty remains, though. The Ramban addresses both scouring of vessels in heat and immersion of vessels. Why not then mention their inherent difference, which is in fact why he asks in this Parsha primarily about scouring a vessel in heat and not regarding immersion of vessels. In fact, more explicitly, why do other commentaries suggest this answer that there was no need for immersion of vessels during the war with Sichin and Eig, when aside for the challenges in their reasoning, that Amban doesn't address this at all? To understand all of this, we'll look at two interesting and curious aspects a vessel immersion, Tfilas Kalim. The Neidabi Yehuda, Rabbi Cheskel ben Alevi Landau, a noted Rav of the community of Prague and noted halachic authority in the 1700s, and the Chassam Sefer of Moshe Schreiber, also a leading Rav in Orthodox Jewry, who wrote broadly on Jewish law, both write that when Chometz is sold to a non-Jew for Passover, one's pots and pans should not be sold because they would then require immersion after Pesach when repurchased from the non-Jew after the festival. Yet, in the text of the sales order of the Alter Rebbe, it distinctly states and includes and leaven-used vessels 
which have obvious leaven adhered to them, meaning that also vessels are sold to the non-Jew, yet we see no call for immersion after Pesach. And in fact, we don't immerse them. In Shar HaKelel, a Sefer, written by Rabbi Avram David Lavut, the great-grandfather of the Alter Rebbe, which gives explanation to many of the Alter Rebbe's writings, the explanation given is that the text on the sales form states very explicitly, leaven, ware vessels, that one can actually see adhered chomets. In other words, the law is that if one doesn't want to have to kosher their dishes, one cleans one's dishes very well so that no leavened food is obviously adhered to them, which then results in these dishes not being sold to the non-Jew to begin with, as they're completely, obviously clean um, of leaven, and it's only dishes that would require immersion that the text refers to. The answer given is complicated. The detail in the law that suggests washing and cleaning the dishes is relevant to all our dishes and vessels before Pesach. And if the cleaned dishes, as the Shah HaKailos suggests, are not included in the sale because of their cleaning, which are the vessels that are sold with the chametz. So we have a Shtar Mechira, a bill of sales, that includes vessels that may have chametz on them, and we don't immerse these, in fact. So we're back to our original question, which brings us to the conclusion that though vessels that may have chametz residue are included in the sales bill to the non-Jew, we nevertheless are not required to immerse them after the festival, according to the opinion of the Alter Rebbe. Then there's the other curious law. There's a custom to eat dairy on the first day of the holiday of Shavuos. The reason for the custom is to recall the dairy foods we ate on the day we received the Torah, having received the mitzvah of ritual slaughter, together with most of the mitzvahs that we received then. Our utensils and vessels and our meaty foods immediately became prohibited. And as we were not barzvecha before the giving of Torah, we could not eat any of our own meat that day. And because the Torah was given on Shabbos, we could not slaughter animals, and we could not kosher the vessels, and so dairy alone was eaten. One could ask, of course, how could they eat cooked dairy foods? It's doubtful that all they ate was cheese and butter but made no prepared foods. If they had only eaten non-cooked dairy, we too would memorialize that in our custom on Shavuos. In any case, they now also had to kosher the dairy dishes, which had had no prior prohibitions of cooking meat and milk together or cooking meat in any old pot. In reality, even as we left Egypt, knowing that God was leading us to Sinai to receive the Torah, there were things we were already careful with, like not mixing milk and meat. So they did have separate dairy vessels. And so Hagola wasn't actually necessary. But on this day of Matan Torah, the nation became a holy nation, taking upon themselves Kedushas Yisrael, the holiness of Israel. So surely the utensils and their vessels needed immersion. So how did they use their dairy vessels without immersion? 
It's been mentioned frequently how Rashi's explanations, which always address the literal intention of the verses, also reveal fascinating insights, even in the halachic arena. When Rashi does so, he quotes these teachings in the names of our masters, who teach these teachings, which tell us that while this is a lesson relevant to the literal intention of the verse, and therefore Rashi quotes the teaching, it is a teaching from our masters that illuminates a halacha, so too in our discussion. The Torah teaches in chapter 31, verse 23, in regards to purifying the vessels that were retrieved with the spoils. Whatever was used in fire, you should pass through fire. And it will become cleaned. But you must also cleanse it with sprinkling water. Rashi explains the words, but it must also be cleansed with sprinkling water, saying, In the simplest understanding, the sprinkling was to cleanse it from a corpse that may have, been, that may have contaminated the vessel. Elazar told them that the vessels need heat to cleanse them from absorption of forbidden foods and the sprinkling to cleanse them of spiritual impurities caused by a corpse. And Rabbi Seinu Dorshu, our rabbis teach, and expounded from here that even to make the vessels fit for use after contamination, after contamination from forbidden food, Hatin Tvila, the metal utensils, required ritual immersion. So what we understand from Rashi is that according to his opinion, ritual immersion is required in order to make an impure, forbidden vessel pure and kosher. What makes this complicated is that A, the law is that new vessels require ritual immersion, though they have not absorbed, absorbed residue of forbidden fruit, foods. As the Gemara in the Tractate of Avedizara says, old utensils, heated until white hot, and now, like new, nevertheless require immersion. Beyond that, the words at the end of the verse, V'chol asher lo yovay ba'esh ta'aviru ba'mayim, all utensils that are not used in fire should be immersed in water, is translated by Rashi as, Anything not used in fire, like cups and various jugs, which are used only for cold and don't absorb prohibited food. These are all things that have not absorbed prohibited foods. So how can the tvila, ritual immersion, be said to then make them permissible from the impermissible? Lahachshiron min ha'isur. Yet regarding tvila, Rashi uses the term lahachshirum min ha'isur to make them permissible from the impermissible. This shift in terms to purify in hagola and lahachshirun to make fit or to legitimize the vessel is Rashi's explanation of the difference between scouring with heat and immersing in water. Tara, purity, is relevant only to something that contains impurity or something prohibited. Therefore, Hagola, removal of the impurities adhered to the vessel, is referenced as Lataram min ho'isur, purifying the vessel from the prohibited. Lachshiron, 
To make something fit is a word form for preparation. It's the act of making a vessel ready to be used. In other words, what tefillah, immersion, accomplishes is not the removal of impermissible substance from a vessel. This is already done through hagala, scalding the vessel. Or if we're dealing with a vessel where there was no forbidden substance, it serves only to make a vessel fit for Jewish usage with no concern of prohibition. As long as the vessel is not in Jewish hands, there's a possibility it would be used for something prohibited. And so when it passes into Jewish hands, in order to ensure that there's not even the possibility, however remote, of using something retrieved from the impermissible, the vessel requires immersion to make it fit from the possible impermissible. And therefore, even new vessels or vessels used for only cold require immersion. Nothing prohibited has adhered to the vessels, but they were not in Jewish hands until now and were subject or vulnerable to forbidden usage. Accordingly, we can go back and answer our three questions. One, why doesn't Nachmanides ask, why does he, excuse me, ask only regarding scalding the vessels and not regarding immersing vessels? Two, why don't we need to immerse the dishes that we sell to a non-Jew when we retrieve them after Pesach? And three, how did the Jews immediately after Matan Torah use their own pots to cook dairy without immersion? Nachmanini's comments on Rashi's explanation quotes from Rashi's words on V'chol asher all that do not pass through fire, and analyzes these words. Rashi says that tvila immersion, is to make vessels fit from the prohibited. Hence, the Ramban has no need to ask a question regarding immersion because the status of Hagola in the war of Sichin and Oi, the status of scouring the pots with heat in the war of Sichin and Oi, is the same as that of Tvila. They were not relevant. As even prepared pigs' feet were permissible for the Jews to eat, there was no need to make something fit or legitimate for a Jew's usage coming from the prohibited as there was no prohibition. Regarding selling the chametz, though indeed leavenware is sold to the non-Jew and he is given a key to their storage area, the sale is made in a way that immediately following Yom Tif, the possessions revert back to Jewish hands. And it's most uncommon that the non-Jew had used the vessels or the chametz that was sold to him. Since the entire sale is done in a way that the non-Jew has no real possibility to use the vessels, they don't require immersion. And if he would use them, they would require not only immersion, but scalding in fire or water. The dairy foods on Shavuos, as mentioned, the nation before Matan Torah, were careful with meat and milk. And so not only were their vessels kosher, but beyond that, there was actually no possibility for a problem. And so their vessels needed no immersion. These vessels needed no preparation to be fit for their usage for a Jew.